you have your Bibles, you can begin to open them up to Proverbs chapter uh, 24. As we begin to come to the end of this series, I, I want to help you to understand about our Bible reading. and our, we, we need to be people who are diligent to know the Word. You set yourself up to be fooled by the enemy, to be duped by the enemy, to be duped by our culture when you don't know the Word of God. And, and friends, we, we just need to study and know the Word. That's why you come to class. I think that's why you're here tonight, and so I, I think that's part. But listen, knowledge is empty if it doesn't lead us to wisdom. Let me say it again. Knowledge is empty if it doesn't lead us to wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to act because we have the knowledge. This is why we say to you, read the book of Proverbs every day. It's a real simple process. You, you look at the cat day of, on the calendar, the number of the day, and you read that chapter of Proverbs that day. You do that every day, and you'll read the book of Proverbs once a month. We encourage you to read five chapters of Psalms every night before you go to sleep. You're going to sleep better if you do this. Uh, read it, and then when you're going to sleep, think about that instead of all your troubles. Think about the promises you find there instead of all your problems, and you'll sleep better at night because the promises of God are ruling you. Now listen, Proverbs is about wisdom. This is why we don't say, read the book of Galatians every day. Read the book of Mark every day. Read the book of Matthew every day. No, you, you have other reading that you're doing. You have other things that you're reading and doing, but then you, you, you begin to read Proverbs every day, and it will help you know what to do with what you're reading. And so you, you want that wisdom, how to step and how to act in the things that we learn through the rest of the Word. And we want to read Psalms because Psalms is all about relationship with God. It's, it's David and all of these guys pouring out their heart to God, talking about how great God is, talking about their enemies, you know, talking about pe the things that are attacking, talking about their problems, and it's all about our hope and our trust and our faith in God no matter what we're facing. So, so I'll say this to you today. You will go through trials. You may be in one right now. You will go through trials. Psalms will help you when you're going through trials. When you're being tested, things aren't going well, Psalms will help you. You read it, you grab a hold of the verses that, step, that speak out about God protecting you and keeping you, and it will build faith in you to say, you know what, I'm going to get through this too. Now, I'll add one little thing to that, and then we're going to jump into the Proverbs here. Troubles, troubles come from time to time. Mountaintops come from time to time. If you never have mountaintops, if you're always in crisis, you are doing something wrong. You've got to figure out, why am I always in crisis? And it's most likely because you are not living 
in wisdom by the word of God and how you're acting towards someone or you are in, in relationship where they're not acting in wisdom. Now we can't, even that we have to blame ourselves on sometimes. We got in it. And now how do, we, how do we deal with it? If all you are is on mountaintops all the time and you never have a test or a trial, uh, that basically means you are such a non-threat to the enemy, he doesn't even have to mess with you. You are engaging him in no way, and he doesn't have to mess with you. Because I'm telling you, the more you engage in, spiritual, in the spiritual conflict, the more the enemy is going to try to undercut you and try to cause you trouble. Now, you're not going to have to stay there. You're going to get out of it pretty quick when, as you learn the Word of God. But you will have trouble, and your, your faith will be tested. So, that's just a, a word. So let's hit some of the standout highlights of, of the Art of Living Night. Uh, let's stand open our, our Bibles of Proverbs 24. And so this is not a, a message in a sense where we take one theme like we did the last couple of weeks and talk about the mouth. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about several kind of highlight scriptures uh, in Proverbs that, that uh, you, you need to be aware of. So Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Father, we thank you for your word. Pray you'd touch it to us tonight. Challenge us where we need to be challenged in Jesus' name. Amen. This, this passage that we just read tells us a very important principle in life, that we are accountable for what we know and that we have no ability to play dumb. God knows what we know. He's aware of what we're aware of. So if we see someone in need, God has shown it to us. Listen to the first part of this verse. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. You know, this, this scripture here is speaking very clearly to us about our response to people around us who are lost. They are being led away to death by this world. They are being led away to the slaughter of the wicked. And the call of the believer is to be a witness to them. The call of the believers, we've been talking, is to be a person of prayer for them. Asking the Spirit of God to intervene in their life. And, and to sit back and to say, we don't know, or we're not aware of their condition, isn't a good enough answer. Uh, one of the reasons, as Christians, I, I think you should have this knowledge in your life, whether it's a written list or whether it's just a knowledge in your mind, here are my friends, my family, my associates, and I know 
as well as any human being on this earth can know it, that they've asked Christ into their life and they're pursuing him and they're born again. The evidence is there. Or I know that there's no evidence there or there's little evidence there or they don't even know. And I'm aware of that and I have a response. I have a responsibility to that. I have a responsibility to do something about that. And that responsibility varies at the depth of your relationship. If they are your friend that you talk to, and you talk to them about everything else, you talk to them about baseball, you talk to them about work, you talk to them about you know, how green your grass is, you talk to them about all this other stuff, then why wouldn't you talk to them about their eternal soul? Why wouldn't you begin to share faith with them? Why wouldn't, wouldn't you cross that bridge? And, and I think that what's happened to us at times is we get this, this feeling like, boy, I'm gonna, I've got to witness this person. I better know all these scriptures just right, and I better really get my ducks in a row, and, and then I'm going to go after them, and they've got to get saved that night. And none of that's true. The, the key is, is that you begin a spiritual conversation with them. You begin to tell them simply, as, as we've heard some, you tell them about your relationship with God. Hey, I want to tell you about something that's really important to me. How it changed my life. And you begin to tell them about your relationship with God. And as you tell them about your relationship with God, you, you don't have to draw it down to a sales pitch at the end that if they don't cross the line of faith... You failed that day. No, you draw it down and you say, listen, uh, do you want to know more? If you try to, I always tell people, when you're having that conversation with somebody that's a friend that's far from God and you enter into that conversation, you tell them, hey, I want to share something that's important with you. You want to do that in no more than two to three minutes. You want to get your story down, how you've come to Christ, why you believe in him, and then you want to stop and say, have any questions and if they ask you a question you can answer if they go nope it's well if you do uh, because of this I'm going to ask you some things sometimes because of this I'm going to invite you to church with me sometimes and I hope you'll come and if you ever need somebody to pray with you I'm here and you just enter into this in the most non-threatening way that you can and you let the Holy Spirit do the rest. You let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Now, that doesn't mean you don't bring the subject up again from time to time. You absolutely do. That, that, that doesn't mean, it's, it absolutely means when, like when the Christmas program comes, hey, we do this really fun thing at Christmas. We do a lot of, you know, this secular music and Christian music and all kinds of stuff coming. And I'd love for you to come and see, you know, remember what I talked to you about what's so important to me? You'll, you'll come out and you'll hear us just kind of rejoicing in that a little bit. We'd love for you to come and be a part of it. You take advantage of those things based on that conversation. But listen, we're responsible for this. If you've got people around you and they are far from God and you've built some boundary that says you can't witness to them because... The King of kings and Lord of lords says, if you don't, 
he's taking note of it. He's aware that you're ignoring the fact that they're being dragged away in the slaughter. So if we see someone in need, that can be somebody with a physical need or a financial need, God showed us that, and we've got to pray through, how do we help this person? I've got one now. I just became aware of a friend of mine who's going through a really deep, deep need. And I'm telling you, it's bigger than what I can meet. His need is bigger than what our church could meet. But I've got to do something. We're responsible to do something. If you see someone far from God, God has showed us that. We are blessed to be a blessing. To let let the Spirit of God flow through us. So God watches over us and uses us to help others. And he'll repay us according to our work. Now listen, this is a warning to us if we ignore this. It's a warning. God says, listen, you ignore their need. I'm going to repay you for that. It's a warning. It's also a promise. If you pay attention to their need and you do your best to meet them, I'm going to reward you for that. I'm going to touch you according to how you've met and how you've responded to that need. Is that good news? So when I come before the Lord with my needs, I want to be able to come before the Lord with this clear conscience that I'm doing everything he's led me to do to meet other people's needs. Again, this is why in the church, missions is so important. Don't go to a church. Listen, if you ever leave Calvary for whatever, you move and go somewhere. Don't go to a church that doesn't make missions a high priority. Understand this. There's a world at need as a world at need. And, and I would tell you, you know, there's some church that what they do for missions is they kind of, well, we just take a percentage of our budget and we give what comes in. No, no, no. I, I, I would tell you, I think you, I think every one of us individually need to be challenged. What am I going to do individually to help meet the needs of the world? What's God asking me to do specifically to meet the needs of the world? And as you've heard me say before, I'm telling you what, Five seconds after the rapture of the church, you're going to be thankful for every dollar you gave to world missions. Amen? You're not going to be, going, you're not going to be oh man, I gave too much to missions, didn't I, Lord? That is not going to happen. You're going to be grateful for every dime you put in to help people around the world who have needs. This is a promise if we respond to it. Proverbs 16.32. This is another subject. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So we've got these two things here that one supports the other. Whoever is slow to anger is better than people who are, have tremendous strength, but also this aspect of just ruling my spirit, just ruling my spirit, not letting, recognizing the weaknesses of my spirit and bring it under control. So listen, some, some of you here today, you may have just a melancholy spirit. That just must be the way you've learned to see the world. Don't give in to that. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love and... Some of you got it. to hear it? Joy. Joy. 
And so you begin to rule over your spirit. When you feel that hopelessness come up on your life, hope is, a, is, is, a, is from the spirit. When you feel fear begin to rule in your spirit, you go, wait a second. Fear is not the way a Christian is supposed to live. We begin to invite God into our life to rule our spirit, to help us. If you have a lustful spirit, if you have an angry spirit, as it's talking about here, we, we don't say, well, yeah, God has to just understand, you know, I, you know I, I grew up in an angry home, everybody was mad all the time, and now I'm just angry. No, you're, you're born again. You got saved. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. We rule over our spirit. So we don't let that spirit of fear, that spirit of anger, that spirit of lust, that spirit of, 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 of you know, kind of being melancholy and down. Or we, we begin to say, you know what? Here is who I am. This is what my spirit is like. And I'm going to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, move into a spirit of hope and joy and trust. And you begin to recognize the difference between your spirit and and the fruit of the Spirit, and the hope of the Spirit, and you recognize, listen, this is a battlefield for you. I'm going to overcome it. But what does it say right here? He who rules his Spirit, and he who rules his Spirit, then he who takes the city. Uh, It's better than, than to be strong and powerful. It's to be strong and powerful over your own life. Some people are highly tempted to anger. It's angry people. And I'll tell you, my tendency when things don't go my way, my tendency in grief, my tendency when I'm unhappy about something is to be kind of ticked off. That's just my tendency. That's who I am without the Spirit of God. I have to recognize that about myself understand that about myself and I with the help of the Holy Spirit I've got to rule that I can't give in to that I've got to rule that and it'll keep trying to sneak its way back into my life and I I've got to keep recognizing what it is and pushing it out Proverbs 19 11. good sense makes one slow to anger and, and and we've talked about this verse a little bit before or a verse just like it. And it is to his and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Can I say it again? It's his glory to overlook an offense. Uh, sometimes you just need to let it go. Just need to ignore it just need to overlook the somebody says something unkind somebody says something cutting somebody says something or does something to her and, and it's you just gotta sit and say you know what I'm just not I'm just not going there I'm just not gonna be a part of that many many times when we have family relationships that are tough it got there because nobody chose to ignore anything and now when the families get together, what happens? Nobody's ignoring anything. Everybody's, every little thing becomes a big thing. And tiny stuff becomes big stuff. 
And there's a time when you just go, that's their problem, not my problem. I'm not, I'm not going there. Or I'm leaving. I'm just going to leave and not be a part of this. All right. Let's go to number three. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride is really simple. We've got to understand biblical pride and biblical humility. Biblical humility is understanding clearly that every gift you have, every talent you have, every ability you have, you have it because of God and you are thankful for, it, for him for it. You owe him due response from it and he gave you that ability. Say, well, Pastor, I went to school and I worked hard and I earned that degree and I've gotten a business and I've worked hard and I've built a business. God gave you the ability to do it all. He gave it to you for a reason. The same way he gave it to you, he can take it away from you in a second. Just one little health problem, it's gone. The ability's gone. One little car accident, ability's gone. As fast as it comes, it can go. And so this aspect of understanding, God gives me everything. God says he lifts up the humble. The prideful is the person who thinks, I did this. I caused this of my own strength. It's a lack of recognition. It's a lack of recognition in God in our lives. Or I can fix this. I can handle this. And they don't pray, they don't seek God, they jump in with their own ability, they're prideful. Here's this thought of, I'm better than others. I had a staff member uh, once, and I would ask him things like, do you think you can, here's an assignment, do you think you can get this? And he would say, I'm a, and he'd name his name, and we can do anything. And I'd look at him and say, no, you can't. God can do anything. And through God, you can do things. But this whole idea that because you have some family name tagged to you, that you are some special creation that's unique. No, we're all human beings. And we are what we are because if your family's been blessed, it's because God has blessed them. If he's given abilities, it's because he's given abilities to you. It's not because your name is such and such. Are you getting this? And if you begin to think that way, guess what's coming? God says, when you really begin to think, you got it. He's going to show you you don't got it. He's going to step back. Just like if he was holding the back of your bicycle when you're trying to learn how to ride your bike. And he lets go and you go, boom. He said, always recognize your dependency upon when, when you succeed, thank him for it. When things go well, thank him for it. When you fall, look to him. He's going to pick you up. Trust God in all of it. Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to, to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. What's God saying? He doesn't like arrogance much, does he? Doesn't like it when we're prideful. It's a lack of recognition of our need for him and who he is in our life. Proverbs uh, 27.10. Do not forsake your friend 
or your father's friend. Do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Do not forsake your friend. Do not forsake your father's friend. Many people are upside down and twisted in this area of friendship. We are to be loyal to our friends. Now, everything has to be founded in Christian principle. A true friend is not someone that I simply like or have known for a long time. If they're a scoffer, as we've talked about scoffers, if they're a fool, someone who gets their direction outside of the word of God, an evil person who chooses to ignore God's word and do their own thing, friends, I don't care how long you've known them, I don't care how much you like them, they're not your friend. They're an acquaintance that you like. We as Americans have put the tag on them, oh, he's been my friend all of my life, but really he's not a true biblical friend because his life or her life will, is ignoring God. And you can't trust them to be what a friend is. Now, you can be a friend to them, but you've got to remember our first call that we, we try to hold them back from the slaughter. But we've got to be careful how connected they are with us. Uh, the one time in my life as a young man that I had a crisis of faith it was more a time of confusion. I was going through a time uh, that you do sometimes when you're young when I was going through a, a really a heartbreaking, what well, felt like a heartbreaking set of circumstances. And uh, I had a group of Christian friends who not only ignored what I was going through, but some of them tried to take advantage of what I was going through. And I had a group of friends who were not Christians who took me in, wrapped their arms around me, comforted me, spent time with me, made sure I had places to go and things to do. Uh, that, that confused me for a short time. So, you know, my challenge to us is we need to be faithful friends. We need to be aware of what our friends are going, going through. Uh, I've had friends that I thought would last a lifetime that haven't. I have other friends that I didn't see the immediate value but have proved themselves to be of great value. Tremendous value. And you pay attention to this. You offer friendship. Our call is to be loyal, faithful to our friends, to stand next to them, to tell I have I have some friends that I, I tell them, listen, I'm going to be your friend forever. I'm going to hang out with you whenever you want me to hang out. We'll go out to lunch. We'll do whatever. Now, I'm going to stand right next to you and yell at you that you're wrong. I won't do it every time. I, I'll, I'll sit with them many times and say, listen, every time we talk, it's not going to be about this. But every now and then, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this spiritual talk every once in a while. I won't beat you up every time I see you. But every once in a while, I'm coming after you. Because I love you too much to be silent while you go off to hell. Now, I, I can't do that. So I'm going to stand next to you all the way, and you're either going to, either I'm going to drag you into heaven, 
or you're going to walk away from me into a Christless eternity, but I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. And, and there's a call for us to be faithful friends. If those friends called me, I would do anything I could for them. I'd do anything I could to bless them. I'd do anything I could to help them. But I'm not going to go to their parties. I'm not going to go hang out a lot of their stuff. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let, well, they say, I got a joke for you. I'll say, do you really have one for me? Because if you tell me something I don't want to hear, I'm not going to be a happy camper. I'm not going to laugh. You're not going to talk about it. Oh, no, you'll like this one. Okay, then I'll, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all up for the ones I like. But if it's, if it's not, I'm gonna, you're going to know I'm not. You know, we, we've got to be a, a We've got to be spiritually mature. We've got to be spiritually mature. So we're faithful to our friends. We help our friends. We bless our friends. We do our best to be kind to our friends, no matter what they are. But we recognize they can't have that authority into our life unless they have some level of, of, of Christian faith in their life. So do your friendships mean anything to you? And, and, and maybe tonight God will bring to mind somebody that, you should give a call to this week. Let them know you're thinking about them. Uh, Proverbs 24, 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Talked about this earlier. Adversity comes. Troubles come. Issues come. The whole book of Job, let me say, Job's one of the most difficult books to understand. Uh, let, me, let me just kind of sum it down for you. The whole book of Job is about Job being a righteous man and God letting the enemy have his way with him for a while. And then the counselors come, and if you read it carefully, here's what you begin to understand. All the counselors were doing was accusing him of being unrighteous. Many of the things they said in their appeals are right. They're correct. But they were accusing a righteous man who was innocent. Job was defending himself. And at the end of this, it says Job did all of these things and did not sin against God. Now, he had to come to an understanding with God. And the understanding he had to come with with, with God is that God is so much bigger than us that even when we're going through trials, we don't really have a right to say why. He's God. He's God. God just, just read the last couple of chapters of Job, and God's saying to him, where were you when I created the heavens? Where were you when I did? Where were you? He, what's he saying to him? I know so much more than you. You don't even know the right questions to ask. And it's all about us trusting, choosing in the day of adversity to trust God. God, I don't understand this. God, I, I'm looking and searching my life to see if I brought this on myself. But God, I'm trusting you to lift me out of it. Number two, be in the day of adversity. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to the church. Get in your small groups. Be around people. Let them know what you're going through. There's strength in the fellowship. Sometimes you come into, the, into a, a sermon, into a service, and God speaks directly to you. 
Okay, I'll t- I'm going to give you a little secret here. There'll be times somebody will come up to me in the entryway, and they'll go, uh, wow, pastor, you were, you were reading my mail this week. You were right in the middle of my life. I can't believe what God told you to say. And I'll say to them, uh, what did you get out of that? And they'll say something that had nothing to do with anything I said that morning. Had nothing to do with anything I said. What's happened? In the middle of that sermon, something has sparked in them and God has begun to move in their heart. Now, sometimes they'll say something I've said. Sometimes God's, thankfully, I'm not just up here you know, quoting the alphabet or reading down the dictionary and God's doing his thing. No, sometimes he takes what we're saying and he uses it pretty dramatically. Sometimes God is just like, you're here, you're in the right place, you're listening, I'm going to speak to you. You don't want to miss that. Be faithful. That In times of sorrow, and times of hurt, you want to be faithful to God. Be faithful to family. Be faithful to your family. Don't wallow in the problem. Celebrate the promises. You can go around all day long. You want to tell, like we said, you want to tell four or five people your problems? That's great. Tell them. Ask them to pray with you. Don't wallow in it. Wallow in the promises. Celebrate the promises. Yeah, it's not going real. It's not going. I'm not out of this thing yet, but I'm holding on to the promises of God. Holding on to the promises of God. All right. The day of adversity. Listen to it again. If you faint the day of adversity, your strength is small. Don't faint. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the, its end is the way of death. A couple of quick things here. Your feelings are not a good compass. Your experience is not a good compass. The Bible is the only good compass. Trials come from time to time. When they, when, they are, when they are all the time, as we said earlier, there's a reason for it. The Bible is our compass. Okay, Proverbs 20.10. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Basically what they're saying, treat people fa- fairly. Use the same standards all the time. Don't play favorites in your judgments. Don't rip people off in your judgments. Treat people fairly. Proverbs 20, 22. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. This is a very clear theme of Scripture that's really hard on our flesh. I want revenge sometimes. Okay, that's my... Anybody else feel that way? God knows what's in your heart. Don't lie. You ever feel like you want revenge sometimes? Yeah. God says, nope. That, you, you don't know enough to serve revenge. You don't know enough to pour out revenge on, on people. You know, I've... I've had people come to me and say to me, uh, I know you don't like me. And I go, really? Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know I didn't like you. What makes you say that? And they'll quote something that happened maybe six months ago or you know, three months ago someplace that was just, you know, I can, you're sitting there and you can't even remember the circumstances hardly. And you sure didn't mean it to be unkind. You sure didn't mean it to be the way they took it to be. 
But they, for the last six months or three months, they've been sitting there going, well, that person doesn't like, we just don't know sometimes. Sometimes we don't know all the facts. Sometimes we think we know all the facts and we don't know all the facts. So we make a judgment. Sometimes people have hurt us intentionally. And in all those times, God says to me, just give it to me. Just give it to me. Don't seek to revenge. Don't seek to pay him back. That's my, he goes, that's my territory. And listen, if they're innocent, you don't do something to an innocent person. And if they're guilty, God can get revenge on them far better than you can. Amen? Now the reality is, he wants us to forgive them because we have so much guilt, we need his forgiveness. And he's offered it to us freely and he wants us to be like him. So he says, don't seek revenge. Let me, let me handle that. Let me handle that. All right, that's just some of the highlights of Proverbs. And so I hope you'll take these notes and I hope you'll pray your way through them. Hope you'll, in your prayer time this week, go, okay, God, is there anybody I'm still wanting revenge over or that I've done something to that I shouldn't have? God, am I weak in adversity? God, am I... Are my friendships healthy? Am I being a healthy friend, a good friend, a loyal friend? You'll just pray your way through it and let the Spirit of God speak to you. He will. He'll look at you and say, you're doing pretty good on that one. He'll look at you and say, hey, we, need to, we need to add some muscle to that one. All right? All right, let's stand together. Father, I, I thank you uh, for, for these folks who are here tonight who come and uh, Father, just open their heart to you and want to learn as we come back next week, uh, Lord, and, and come and look at the wrap-up of Proverbs. I pray you just strengthen us further. And let, let this book on wisdom be a book that is really used transformationally in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord and may his joy be in your heart today.